Wow, love y'all. Oh, I miss you so much. Oh, I've been in Hawaii, <laughs> actually, um, and that's been fun. Um, and so I've been also traveling all over the place, and I've been here a little bit in Chico, uh, trying out the skate park, breaking my board and stuff like that. I ollied that six stair today and hurt my ankle a little bit, so if I, if I hobble around, then um, that's why. I am so grateful for this opportunity to speak to you guys. Um, I've, getting, I've gotten a ton of opportunities to travel around and to relate. Now um, I'm in this new role uh, as a national collegiate director for, the, for Challenge, basically. And it goes by different names in different states. But um, I'm getting to see what God is doing. And I'm getting to speak at these conferences and stuff. And so I'm kind of used to preparing these like pretty intense conference messages. And I did that for y'all. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm. I feel so led to um, preach as if this is like I'm a dying man preaching to dying men and women. Okay, <laughs> like I um, have. The, as I was writing this, I was just like, really, I'm going to say that, God. <laughs> like, and so um, let me just pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, there's so much you want to do through this uh, group. There's so much you want to do tonight, Lord. Uh, so I pray against Satan. I pray against anything that he wants to do. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would mobilize us to be people of initiative. Amen. So tonight, I'm going to talk about initiative. You got your little handout there, faith. And uh, the focus is the topic of initiative. Is initiative is what separates leaders from followers. Initiative is what separates difference makers with those who maintain the status quo. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the greatest cause on earth. <laughs> a, bo a bored Christian is not a biblical Christian, okay? A bored Christian is not living out the purpose and the plan and the fulfillment that God has given you. If you're bored in your Christian life, you're not living the kind of life that God has called you to. Most people are just bored, okay? I was, I was in the um, grocery store, and I was looking around, and I was like, everyone in here looks so bored. I, bored, <laughs> okay? I know, but it's, it's how exciting can looking at different milks or whatever be. But I was thinking more profoundly, I think. Um, you know, I can never really tell. But I, I was thinking profoundly, and I was like, these people are probably really bored with their life. They probably have zero purpose in their life. Because if you do not have Jesus at the center of your life, and if you, not, you have not chosen to go all in completely with him, your life is boring. You're living for something small. A selfish life is a small life. A selfish life is a sad life. A bored Christian is not a biblical Christian. And self-preservation should not be the first response of a follower of Christ. I came across this quote. Most men lead, lead lives of quiet desperation and die with their song still inside them. Most people are slowly dying on the inside. And Jesus came to bring new life. And how many of you guys have been given new life in Christ? If you have, say amen, okay? If you haven't, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. We'd love for you 
to experience this new life. It's, he's not, this is not um, a religion. This is reality. Jesus really died. He really rose from the dead. And it, is, it will change your life. If you have questions about that, this is a great place, a safe place to be. But there's also a lot of Christians that aren't really living a biblical faith. They, they, they accept the grace. They, they live this kind of like self-centered. They, they live a, um, what I call a prosperity gospel light, okay? <laughs> they they want to hear just things that can help them achieve their dreams and achieve their desires and fulfill their wants when God has something so much bigger for every one of us. God has a dream and a desire to expand his kingdom and for us to live for his glory. You get a chance to lose yourself in the moment. No, no. You get to lose yourself in a cause that is so much bigger than you. And man, that just infuses every day that I wake up. Like, I know I'm not living for me. I'm, li I'm part of the greatest cause on earth. And the leveraged life is the best life. I think that's your first blank on your handout. The leveraged life is the best life. And no one understood that more than Jesus uh, because that's all he was about. He came on the first mission trip from heaven to earth, okay, to save humanity. And then he went on a mission trip with some of his homies. He went across to Samaria, this place called Samaria. He actually was going somewhere else and he went through Samaria. And they stopped at the local In-N-Out on the way there. And his boys went down. And he was just sitting on this well there. And his, his buddies were going down and getting In-N-Out. And there was this woman alone there. And in that culture, you weren't allowed to talk to women. <laughs> okay, men just didn't talk to women. And uh, y'all, especially a Jew, didn't talk to a Samaritan woman. And I bet you Jesus was really tired, too. After a long day of traveling, he was sitting on the well. But I think... Jesus, that first decision he made in that moment was to overcome his own comfort, to chill. He probably had his AirPods on and was just, you know, like he, he was just in his own little world. But he saw this woman. And he, he, our love for people should always trump our comfort. Our love for people should always trump our comfort. Serving the Lord is rarely convenient. It's actually almost never convenient. A.W. Tozer said, how utterly terrible is the current idea that Christians can serve God at their own convenience. Read John 4. I encourage all of you guys to read John 4. And Jesus puts on a master class for how to have a spiritual conversation, how to share the gospel, how to, um, and he puts on a clinic, basically, how to talk to someone about God. And long story short, Jesus helps this woman discover he is the Messiah. He is the king. He is, and he, he, does, he even shares a prophetic word and tells her all about um, her life and all the sin that she, and she just like was, whoa. And what she did is she ran back to the town and she said, come see, is this, this could be the Messiah. He told me everything about my life, everything I ever done. And uh, all of a sudden there was this whole crowd coming up to Jesus like, the, the whole town was like, oh, who's this guy? It was like, I don't know. It was crazy. And then his buddies came back with the In-N-Out. There's like double-double with animal style. And um, they were ready. There's like, Jesus, we got the good stuff. There was no line, too. It was amazing. And that's a miracle if you ever know anything about In-N-Out. I went to Waco, actually, and there was no line. At Waco, Texas, they have In-N-Out in Waco, Texas. And there was no line. And I was like, what are these people doing? <laughs> it was bizarre. It's because they have Whataburger um, and... I don't know. I don't get the Whataburger thing. But 
his, uh, his disciples came and said, hey, we have this food. And this is where we pick up verse 31. It's on your handout, probably on the screen. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his, his disciples said to each other, could someone have bought him food, brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you have a saying, it is still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Man, that is so profound. Jesus said, I have food you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The satisfaction of being lost in the cause of Christ is far better than food. <laughs> the fulfillment you get is that when you're getting lost in serving Christ is far better than any fulfillment you can get in anything in life. Um, personally, I'm in the busiest season of my life, and it also happens to be the most joyful. Because <laughs> I just love that God has called me to do the things that he's called me to do. It is one of the, it's simultaneously some of the hardest, but it's also the most joyful. I think being lost and up to your eyes in work for a cause that is bigger than yourself is the only way to live. <laughs> okay? It, and uh, if you have, if you're serving the Lord, if you're all out, serving God, and you feel like you don't have a lot of margin, you don't have a lot of me time, man, that is a privilege. That is a joy. That is something to praise God for. That's not something to feel sorry for yourself about. That is a, God has given you this stewardship. He said, I entrust you with this work for you to do for me. And if you've truly been changed by Jesus, Man, we need to come back and realize, man, work, good old-fashioned work for God's kingdom is where we get filled up. If we do it with the right attitude and the right perspective and the right vision, Apostle Paul had the right vision. He said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Following Jesus won't cost you much. <laughs> It'll just cost your entire life. Okay? <laughs> Following Jesus won't cost you much. It'll just cost your entire life. Jesus demands everything from us, and then he offers more than that. <laughs> he, he offers um, the best life is the leveraged life. Uh, Mark 8, 35, Jesus said this, Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Man, the only people that really understand this verse are the people who live it. Because if you really live this out, you get it. Because you start to see God move. You start to see God use you in the lives of others. And you don't always feel this overflowing joy. or this. There's times of burnout. There's times of um, legitimately we need food and rest and all that. Don't hear me saying that. But when we go, uh, how, how many of y'all go to CCC, Chico Community Church? It's okay if you don't. Um, when we go out there for the baptism service and the people that we've worked hard as challenge, some of y'all getting baptized, most of, many of y'all have gotten baptized out there. I always wear my sunglasses, okay? Because <laughs> I cry like a baby, okay? Because, and I praise God that it's an outside because that is payday. That is the best moments 
That's why, why we exist. That's why challenge exists, is so that we can see people cross from death to life, so that we can see lives change. There's no, nothing better than the fulfillment of seeing God use you, even if it's a small part, to see a life change. So Jesus said a similar statement in Matthew 9, 36-38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And this passage is one of my favorite passages. It is like the theme of my life and ministry. And Jesus, man, when Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion for them. He had compassion. And in the Greek, it literally means to be moved to one's bowels. So it, mean, it means it made him sick to his stomach. It made him, you ever had a breakup or someone in your family get cancer or something where you just, like, you just got sick? When Jesus saw the crowds, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, it made him sick to his stomach. He had this gut compassion. And I believe he wept. I believe he, he still sees our campus and the average student at Chico State and Butte College is wandering through life without the direction or the protection of God. And even if they put a good front on the outside, they're the partier, they got it going on or on with this or that, they're tangled up inside, they're broken inside, and they need a Savior. And if we have Jesus, Jesus looks at this crowd and he said, there's a problem. What's the problem in this passage? I'll tell you what the problem isn't, okay? <laughs> the problem's not with the harvest, okay? The harvest is plentiful. The problem is a lack of laborers. Because it's impossible to exaggerate the urgency of our mission. Man, you think about, I'm going to get real with y'all. If, if you read the Bible, those that accept Jesus will go to heaven. Those that reject Jesus will go to hell. Every person that we see at Chico State and View College is going to one or two places, heaven or hell. And those that believe the exclusivity of the gospel have the greatest urgency to expand the gospel. If you really, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> if you love the person sitting next to you in class, love your neighbor as yourself, you have to do something to pray for them, love them, and share the gospel. Do something to get them closer to Jesus. Those that have the greatest grasp of the gospel also have the greatest burden for the lost. Those that have the greatest grasp of the good news and the gospel and the greatest relationship with God simultaneously have the greatest compassion for the lost. The Apostle Paul, anyone read the book of Romans? I highly recommend it. It's even better than Wayne Grudem. I don't know if you've heard of Wayne Grudem, but he wrote a systematic theology textbook. David is the only one. <laughs> um, but in, in Romans 8, he talks about, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. Remember Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, I love that. And then he goes off. He just goes on a rant. What can separate us from the love of God? And he lists off all these things. And it is just like the height of celebration. Like God's love is unstoppable. And it is amazing. And it's, you, we, we can rest in that and know that. And then he dips. He takes a, a dramatic dip straight into lament in Romans 9. This is what he says. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ, and I'm not lying. 
My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I, what I could wish myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Man, look at that passage. Like, settle down, Paul. <laughs> like, settle down. Like, this is too, you are taking this too seriously, it seems like. Like, you giving up, you have great sorrow. He was just celebrating, and now, actually, those that believe the gospel can have simultaneous joy in the gospel and brokenness for the lost. Actually, biblically, you should have a rejoicing in celebration of Jesus and a burden and a passion to see those that don't know Jesus come to know Christ. And I remember the first time I grasped this, we were sitting around a campfire um, singing worship songs, and I was looking at those flames and I, I remember realizing that if nothing changed, the guys on my hall were going to live a life of bondage to sin and an eternity separated from God in hell. And I just started weeping. I just lost it. Like, I think we need to grasp the reality of eternity. My favorite um, hymn is Amazing Grace, my favorite worship song. And in it, it says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as a sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Man, I love that line. Like in 10,000 years, we're still going to be praising God. But the reverse is true. If those that do not know Jesus will spend 10,000 years, that'll just be the start. Now, I don't like to think about this. I don't like to talk about this. It, it kind of is hard. and This is a hard truth from the Bible. But, man, why, if we really believe that this is true, if we really believe that Jesus is the only way for someone to get eternal life, the only loving and logical thing is to leverage the rest of your life to help as many people as possible. The only loving and logical response to the reality of hell and the, the goodness and the grace of Jesus to rescue sinners from that is to leverage the rest of your life to help people from that. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever wept for the face, fate of the lost? Have you ever looked and thought about those without Christ and just lost it? I pray that you do. I pray that you will be blessed with a burden. I pray that God will bless you with, some, with a deep compassion. It's not something you work up or fake, but Jesus did. Jesus in Luke 9, he said, uh, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Actually, um, there was this famous priest, this famous, um, actually famous non-Christian um, criminal that was about to be executed. And this priest came up to him right before his execution. This was about 100 years ago and shared the good news with him, the gospel about how you can be saved. And uh, this non-Christian criminal looked at him, looked him in the eye and said, do you believe that? Do you believe that? If I believe that, I would willingly crawl across England over broken glass to tell men it is true. Man, it's impossible to exaggerate the urgency of eternity. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of in infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Man, if you had the cure to cancer, what would you do with that? Would you share it with the world or would you keep a personal relationship? Would you just keep it to yourself? 
And we, as followers of Christ, have the cure to the cancer of sin, and everyone is infected. James 4, 17 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Man, there, we all have a part to play, and it is simultaneously a burden and a um, heavy truth, but it's also, once you get in it, once you get join the, the rescue mission, man, it is the greatest joy on earth. And you may think, well, I don't even want to think about this. I don't want to mess with this. I want to live my own, um, <laughs> let, me, let me just say it, like, I want to live my own selfish Christian life. <laughs> Um, I actually came across, I love this line from Lord of the Rings. Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Okay, we've got a few. Okay, we can hang. I love this, uh, this line. Um, Fro Frodo said, I can't do this, Sam. It's all wrong. I can't do this, Sam. And then Sam says, it's all wrong. By, ri by rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't even want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? In the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even this darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the shine, sun shines, it'll shine out the clear. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in, the, <laughs> folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't, because they are holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? That there's something good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. You really have a choice. You can deny the reality of the exclusivity of the gospel and go on living a self-centered life. Or you can join God in his rescue mission, in his grand story, where he's calling us to play a part in something that's going to matter a million years from now for real people. This is not just a vague, um, make the world a better place, change the world thing. This is a literal rescue mission. It is more important than saving people from the fire. So this is either true or not, right? And those of you that are not followers of Christ, man, I want to encourage you. We love you. We, we want to help you process that decision, and, and we can help you make that decision. But back to Matthew 9, 36 to 38, there's a phrase in there that gave me, gives me so much hope, and it changed the way I saw my life in ministry. It says, the harvest is plentiful. Underline that phrase, the harvest is plentiful. Find it, underline it, the harvest is plentiful. How many of you believe Jesus tells the truth? <laughs> okay, most of y'all, good. Um, if Jesus tells the truth, and he does, spoiler, <laughs> okay, he does, there are people right now at Chico State, there are people right now at Butte College that if a laborer loved them, prayed for them, and shared the gospel with them, they would come to Christ. Like, I believe that is true, not because I think that or I have a thought. I believe that is true because Jesus tells the truth. The problem is not with the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is a lack of laborers. 
And if you're in Jesus' small group, he would have one prayer request, okay? He would say, more laborers, please. He wouldn't pray for your aunt's broken toe. Okay, maybe he would. He cares. <laughs> but he has, he's got his eyes set on something so much bigger, and that's laborers. Will you be an answer to the prayers of Jesus? Will you be a laborer? Will you pray for laborers? That's what, really what this passage teaches, to pray for other laborers. And then will you work to disciple and to raise up other laborers? And I don't know about you, I'm just using the, le- the rest of my life just to do that, to obey Matthew 9, 36, 38. I'm using that, and I'm loving it so far, okay? <laughs> it has been really hard, but it has been amazingly joyful. And think about it. Like, what else do you have to do with your life? <laughs> like, what else do you have to do with your life? Like, learn to get focused. Learn to get on mission with God. And the amazing thing about this is it's totally rigged, (laughs) okay? This whole evangelism thing is completely rigged. The harvest is plentiful. God leads open, willing people to willing laborers. God is constantly drawing people to himself. And think about how you came to Christ. It was probably a process And then finally, someone shared the gospel with you, and you came to Christ. Um, We actually heard a testimony recently about John, who was literally prayed the week before um, that someone, he would find out who God is. Uh, It was one of our story project videos. He prayed, God, show me who you are. And a week later, Jacob and Katie walked up to him and said, hey, started a spiritual conversation and led him to Jesus. Man, I I remember one time I was driving to campus, and I was thinking, man, like, this is a waste of time. I don't want to bother. We were going to do some evangelism, some random evangelism, where we we're going to talk to random people. And I just didn't want to do it. I was just struggling. And I was like, this is, I don't want to push people away. This, this is, and all this stuff. And I was just struggling, okay? And all of a sudden, this verse popped in my mind, Acts 18, 10. It says, for I'm with you. No one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. And this is Jesus showing up to the Apostle Paul in a dream. And it's as if Jesus was saying to me in that moment, as that verse that I memorized popped in my mind, I have many people on this campus. Like, God has many people at Chico State. Like, that was when I was driving to Chico State. God, I think it's still true. <laughs> like, the, God has people that he wants to use us to come to know him. And it's, I call it the divine Easter egg hunt, okay? <laughs> They're already there, and it's our joy and our privilege to go find them. So the next thing I see is ministry is a team sport. Sport. Every member matters. So it's not just up to you. We as challenge, we as the church that you're a part of, we as the body of Christ, we get to work together to advance God's mission. And so that's part of the, a bored Christian is not a biblical Christian. There's always something that you can do to serve the church. Actually, I was talking to one of the church leaders at Chico Community, and uh, he told me, I don't know if I should, maybe I should tell you, but um, he told me they're having trouble getting enough people to help with the child care, just because it's just hard I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> but we have hundreds of people, and there's there's not enough people to do all the key roles. Every, when someone comes to church or to challenge, every, someone has to put all these handouts and all the pins. I was sitting at church last week, and there was the pin in front of me 
that I was trying to take notes on and fill out my card wasn't working, okay? Every pin matters. Every seat matters. And not just that, we want to serve, but we also want to use our spiritual gifts. Let's check, out, check this out in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So God has given you, if you are a follower of Christ, God has given you a spiritual gift. Believe it, okay? You have been given a spiritual gift, and it's your job to discover it, to develop it, and to deploy it. Discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gift. And God doesn't waste a gift. God didn't give you a gift not to use it, okay? And so the way you discover your gift is actually just to serve wherever needed, okay? Wherever needed, and then you discover. I discovered my spiritual gifts by serving in lots of different ways. And then I figured out, oh, I'm not good at that, which is actually I'm not good at the child care thing, even though I have kids. I love kids. <laughs> but I am good at, I don't know, I'm not good at that many things. But anyways, it's not about me. Um, you were saved... If you're saved, the moment you were saved, actually, correction, <laughs> before the foundation of the world, <laughs> okay, you were given a mission and a purpose in life. I didn't make that up. Yeah, I wanted to say, I even wrote in my notes, the moment you were saved, you were given a job to do. No, actually, <laughs> before the foundation of the world, God knew you, he predestined you, and he also predestined the work that he's given you to do. So go do it, okay? <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Also, another translation is masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, God saved you not by works. You are not saved by works. Actually, nothing in this talk is designed to make you earn favor with God. You have been saved by grace through faith. Like, God loves you whether you do anything with your life or not. But why wouldn't you? Because he loves you so much. Like, why wouldn't you respond to the grace of Jesus with just laying your whole life down before him? And letting him use every last drop of this life that he saved by his blood. And so the proper response to the grace of Christ is serving Christ and serving his people. So you have the jersey on. You're on the team. You're on the field. Just start playing. Okay? Just start going for it. And so um, every chair at challenge is of infinite significance because you're sitting in that chair and you are of infinite significance, <laughs> okay? Every pin, every, everything matters. Name tag, snacks, greeting, setup for, ch for challenge, for church. Man, there's, it, never just say, oh, I don't know what I should do. Like, do something, okay? <laughs> there's two places you should serve, where needed most and where you're most gifted, Two places you should serve, where needed most and where you're most gifted. There's nothing too big for God, and there's nothing too small that you can do for God. 
In Romans, uh, Paul talks about each of us leveraging our gifts. Let's check this out. Maybe you have some of these gifts. Romans 12. Look at these gifts. Um, I bet you have one of these, maybe. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. A lot of people have that. If it's, um, if it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then to give, then give encouragement. Man, the gift of encouragement. Man, that is a gift that I think a lot of people have because a lot of us need encouragement. How many people need some encouragement in their life? Okay, then I bet you some of us have the gift of encouragement, <laughs> and we should use that. Um, then if it's giving, give generously. Has the lights? How are the lights on at Challenge tonight? Because <laughs> someone gave generously to this church. And how do we have staff? Because people give generously to our staff. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Man, whatever your gift is, turn it all the way up. Go full sins, okay, on it. Um, and here's the, the motto. He closes this list of spiritual gifts with uh, Romans 12, 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. A bored Christian is not a biblical Christian. But what if I burn out? That actually, this is going to sound crazy, okay? But I'm, I think that I stand on good footing here. What if I burn out? That may actually be a good thing. Okay, I, I just joined CrossFit. I know it's annoying when people talk about CrossFit, okay? <laughs> because the first rule of CrossFit is always talk about CrossFit, okay? Um, but in CrossFit, <laughs> okay, they, they, they always push you to your limit, and you're you're, no matter how good of an athlete, they, I don't know why they call themselves athletes, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, it's not really a sport, is it? Whatever, okay, I do it. So, um, But no matter how... Um, how hard, how good of an athlete you are, you're always dead at the end of the workout because you're always pushing to that next threshold. And uh, actually, I found in ministry the last 12, 15 years or so that I burn out about five to 10 times a year, okay? <laughs> because, uh, and this is not like a, I have a nervous twitch. I'm, you know, it's more of like, I'm tired and I need a rest. And I do, I take strategic rests as I go and I build that in. But and in college ministry, we have winter breaks. We have little Thanksgiving breaks. We have opportunities. When it's harvest time, we need to push. We need to grind. It's actually good. And so over the years, I've grown my capacity. And what if I took this job that I have now um, with NAM as a national collegiate director five years ago, I would definitely be having a nervous twitch, okay? <laughs> I, 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 this, would, this job I have right now would eat my lunch. But over the, the, the years, God has grown my capacity. And I, I wasn't uh, resentful of what God has called me to do. I wanted this. I, I want, that's a good thing. Like being burnt out, being lost in a cause bigger than yourself is a good thing. Now there is wisdom and there is times to pull back and to rest. But if you work hard, you can play hard and you can rest hard. And uh, Jesus, no one worked harder than Jesus. And no one napped harder than Jesus, okay? Remember he was on the boat and there was a storm? Um, it was probably because he was spending the whole day before casting out demons from people and stuff. Man, um, Jesus knew how to work hard. And he knew how to party. People even blamed him uh, of partying. Not, you know, you know what I mean. Okay. Okay. Um, 
I hope the challenge staff are listening right now. <laughs> this is for you, honestly. Um, Actually, last week I had a break, um, a breakthrough in this area of productivity. I was doing all these, I do all sorts of traveling and speaking and Zoom calls and webinars and somehow I have two podcasts and that's kind of weird. But anyways, and, and I was just, I would sit down and I have some things that I need, I need to write. I have some really important things I need to, to put together for an, a conference coming up and a, another book. And uh, that sounds really arrogant. But anyways, <laughs> I, I, I have these things I need to do. And I would sit down at the computer and I'm like, all right. And I was just blank. I just did not want to do it. And I think there's, that's okay. There's grace for that. But what I realized is I was giving into laziness and at times and as I was sitting and I was making excuses and I was feeling sorry for myself and I was kind of the Lord showed me this actually in my prayer time is that really there's more I want there's there's more I want to do in and through your life and so I took it to God in prayer and I asked him for some things I I asked him to help me enjoy the amazing privilege of writing a book like what <laughs> or, or, or speaking at a conference or whatever it is, or, or even whatever you're doing, it, maybe it's preparing a discipleship lesson. Like what? Like you get to disciple someone? You get someone's soul that you get to help grow? Like you should never get over the fact that God saved you, but you should also never get over the fact that God is using you. Like that's arrogant to think that, that we deserve or we're entitled for God to use us? Like, we should be humbled and excited and, <laughs> like, amazed, really, that God uses us. And so I prayed that God would give me joy to help me see that, you know, even that John 4 um, thing. I asked him to help me, um, give me diligence to work hard. And uh, I made sure to do my daily, I try to do about an hour a day in prayer and Bible study and, and stuff, like an hour. I even literally put a timer on because that's how ADD I am. If I don't have my timer, I, I just need it. I, I, and it's not legalistic. Um, um, but I did that before I had got, put God first. And then I just started writing. I just started typing. And, you know, basically all I could say is I'm back, baby. <laughs> okay? Like, like I was like writing stuff and God was giving me insight. And I was able to, to get, I've been just had this breakthrough, like in the last week about just being able to um, be product, productive for God's kingdom. And I think that is something that God wants to grow in each of our lives at different levels. And maybe ask God to give you joy, to give you diligence, to give you productivity. Even in your studies, you can pray, you can pray those things for your studies, for whatever God's calling you to do. Man, diligence is such a key virtue um, that you can find in the Bible. So all that being said, are you tired from serving the Lord? Man, that's a good thing. Man, um, we have the greatest cause on earth. I love this quote by John Wesley. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Man, I just want to be like that. I want to be the kind of person that just leaves it all on the court <laughs> for Jesus. And Gigi, who lives with me, she's 94, just turned 94. And uh, she is one of those people. She actually, she's legally blind. And so between my wife, who has a bad back, and Gigi, who's legally blind, it's almost like a complete person <laughs> to help around the house. <laughs> so I know that sounds bad. <laughs> 
But they, Gigi serves God's kingdom. She prays. She's the greatest prayer. She's praying for me tonight. She told me, grab me by, Paul, I'm praying for you tonight. <laughs> you know? And uh, before um, she was unable to because of her arthritis, every week when Chico Community Church had about 500 people coming, she was stuffing, you know, that little card in your handout? She was literally shaking, stuffing the card into every handout at 90 years old. And it reminded me of this passage, Philippians 1. It says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will, remain, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. So if you're still living, you're still laboring. I love this passage, Titus 2, 14. He said, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify us for himself, a people of his own possession. That would have been a good verse just right there. Stop there. <laughs> all right? Let's read that again. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession. You are God's. But then what does he say? He says, just the, it's just the overflow of being adopted by God. He says, who are zealous for good works. God saved us not only to enjoy our salvation, but to be zealous for good works. I want to tell you about one more person that leveraged their life for God's kingdom. His name is Jim Elliott. Anyone ever heard of Jim Elliott? Jim Elliott? This guy, he was just a wild man for God's kingdom. And he, he got this little posse together, and they went down to Ecuador, and um, they discovered a tribe that no one had ever, no Westerner had ever Met, like met in person and didn't die. Okay, they 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 were just known if if someone if a Westerner approached them they would they would spear him to death. Okay, and uh, what Jim Elliot and his buddies did uh, this is amazing. I encourage you to read biographies about Jim uh, and his his Elizabeth Elliot is an amazing author as well. But what they did is they got a a plane and they started dropping these little gifts. They would do this circle motion and had this um, string. And they had these, these like knives or whatever was interesting to the tribal people. And they would circle around and tell, I don't know how it works, but they kind of dropped this, these gifts. And over the course of, um, the course of like a few weeks, actually several months, they just dropped so many gifts <laughs> that they finally decided they're going to land that little plane on the river there. And their first interaction was great. They were, they were, uh, they talked to the people and all that. And, uh, and then they, they did it again, and something, um, another time they came in, and in this process, um, Jim Elliott, he wrote in his journal, he said this. Let's check it out, what he wrote in his journal. Is it on there? No, he said this. He said, prayed a strange prayer today. I covenanted with the Father that he would, he would do either two things, either glorify himself to the utmost in me or to slay me. By his grace, I shall not have his second best. For he heard me, I believe, so that now I have nothing to look forward to but a life of sacrificial sonship or heaven. Soon. Perhaps tomorrow. What a prospect. The next day, 
him and his buddies, um, his team, they landed, four other guys, they landed and um, out of the blue, there was one friendly person that was kind of like a decoy. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people, a um, bunch of warriors came out and speared them to death. And these guys were actually pretty famous. Um, they were writers and, and influencer kind of uh, back in the day. This was a while ago. Um, and just the world just, just mourned over this, this loss. And um, people just actually, there are hundreds of missionaries on the field right now that point their calling back to the missionary service, back to the story of Jim Elliott and his team. And Jim Elliott told this story. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot, he, he said this quote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Elizabeth Elliott mourned and uh, Rachel Saint uh, mourned and they were two of the wives. This is a long story short, but they moved back into the village. They moved back into the village, and over the course of years, led almost that entire village to Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, just, it's just amazing to think, is, is God may be, actually God may be calling some of us to lay down our lives for Jesus. Are you willing to let him glorify himself however he would through your life? And I don't, I don't think Jim Elliott regrets for a moment his decision to land that plane in that water because of the impact and the fruit. We're still talking about it to this day. And there's still missionaries going out around the world that are inspired by his example. So in your death, you can glorify Christ. But in some ways, it's almost harder to live for Christ than it is to die for Christ. In some ways, we have to choose to daily Serve Christ in the small things. And if you don't learn to serve and sacrifice in the small, you won't be qualified and called for the big things that God's called you to do. So, man, let's get busy. Let's do something. Let's just do something for God's kingdom. Um, one more quote. It's by Charles Spurgeon. I know i got a lot of them. But he said this. He said, brethren, do something, do something, do something. While societies and unions make constitutions, let's win souls. I pray you be men of action, all of you. Get to work. Quit yourself like men. Old servo's idea of war is mine. Forward, strike, no theory, attack, form a column, charge bayonets, <laughs> plunge into the center of the enemy. Our aim is to win souls, and this we are not to talk about, but to do in the power of God. Just do something for God's kingdom, and God will show you. God will guide you. He is much more able to steer a moving car than a stagnant one, okay? He's able, he, if you're moving towards God's mission, he's going to guide you. I promise you. I promise he's going to guide you if you get lost in his cause. Join me in praying. God, um, thank you for your grace in each of our lives. Thank you for everything that you've done to bring each of us to this place. And uh, I believe you did something special tonight in our hearts and I pray that you would help us to remember these truths. That we would remember that your mission is urgent, that it's joyful, that we get to be a part of it. And so I actually pray, I want to pray for this group right now, that you would call people right now. 
You would speak to them as we're, as we're singing, as we're reflecting. You would call them to specific ways of serving you. Maybe call some of these people tonight. Lord, I'm actually, I'm going to ask that you call some people to mission work. You call some people tonight to give two years after graduation overseas. Or to join challenge staff or to, um, or just they say, I'm here. Use me. Here I am, send me. Lord, maybe that's just their posture, that they need to be willing to say, whatever you want me to do, I'm available. So Lord, use this time and speak, even during these songs, even during this reflection time. In Jesus' name, amen.